Welcome to Sweeping the Country one more time, my co-host, Mr. Jimmy Carter. And today, Jimmy, we have two lovely ladies. Yeah, we do. And uh, they have nothing to do with each other. Nothing. <laughs> but when I was looking for things to do, I said, well, I love these girls. Uh, one of them is Winona Judd. Yes. She has got one of the best voices of anybody at any time. I will agree. And of course, she's been in the headlines because of her mother passing away. Yeah. And she just finished the Judd's tour. There'll never be another Judd's tour. There was that one. Yeah. Uh, the final tour. And they finished up in Hollywood, Florida the other night. And then Rebecca De Mornay, I haven't seen, I just ran across her interview. Uh, she smoked up the screen. Smoked it. During, <laughs> she smoked it during the movie Risky Business, which was the breakout film oh my for gosh. Tom Cruise as well. I was trying he to... dated her for a while. Yeah, you told me that, and I had no idea of that. And I was trying to think of how old was I when that movie came out, because it was 1983, and why was yeah. I so into her at the time? And I think it's because, well, see, I graduated in 85, so 83, two years. I would have been 16 years old, the perfect age to fall in love with Rebecca De Mornay. Boy, she was... Uh, well... We were over, I was in Atlanta doing a movie that she was the co-star of. Yeah. It was called The Slugger's Wife. Oh, I remember that. And it that. was like 84, something like that, baseball yeah. player's wife. Yeah. And we were at the High Museum for the premiere party. And she was going to be there and others being there. We're, this is the big museum that's on Peachtree uh, near downtown Atlanta. So I'm walking in. She's a little bit ahead of me. And this guy's behind me with long hair. Yeah. And I recognized him, and it was Tom Cruise. He had grown his hair for a movie called Legend. Oh, I remember it that, was too. One of the, the early movies that he did. And he did not want to be recognized in there. He had been in Risky Business at this point, but not Top Gun. And uh, and so he kind of asked me to hang out with him a little bit behind. Yeah. Just so. And so there are pictures that I have. I can't show them here on radio, but it's me and Rebecca and Tom in the buffet line. And then we ate lunch dinner together that night while she went out and smoothed. And it was really cool. I mean, he was just a nice guy, you know, nice yeah. kid, you know, that he hadn't become this super duper do star. Yeah. And uh, she was just, you know, lovely and uh, sexy and everything else. Yeah. She, Rebecca De Mornay and, but she had an edge about her. I will tell you that. Okay. Kind of an interesting edge, you know, that, you know, she was strong lady too. Okay. And, uh, but, but sexy, sexy, strong and put Kim Basing and her would be my first two draft choices <laughs> in Hollywood back in those days. Cause they were both were just extremely great, but let's listen to a little bit. Uh, she was in slugger's wife. Uh, if you're trying to remember runaway train was oh, a yeah. good one. Yep. Uh, she was in backdraft. Oh, that I remember a, that Ron Howard the hand that rocks the cradle was a good one. Uh, she was in a lot of other movies over the years. And here she is, Rebecca De Mornay. What's the first day of work like for you on a movie? I know, like for real people who have regular jobs, the first day of work is terrible. It's nauseating. It's you're scared. What's the first day of work like for you? That is a good question. A lot of times I'm sleepless. I used to be actually when I first started working in film. I used to be complete a complete insomniac before the first day of shooting. On this film, Guilty as Sin, it was a little bit mitigated by the fact uh, that Sidney Lumet rehearses so much. So we rehearsed the entire movie for about eight hours a day uh, for two weeks. By the end of the two weeks, I feel, uh, well, I felt like I'd shot the movie already. Mm -hmm. And so the first day of shooting became um, actually a lot easier. I, so you already I, had your confidence at that point? 
Um, I think so, yeah, and I needed it sorely because I play a very confident character. <laughs> how have you changed in 10 years since I've seen you last? How has Rebecca the Lady changed? Well, you know, I've, I've talked to other actors and I've read other people's interviews and a lot of people talk about how much they've changed. And actually, I don't think I really have changed. I think I've become um, more and more myself, if that makes mm. any sense. So you matured? Definitely. I'm definitely maturing, and it's a good thing. I, I feel a lot less agitated, a lot, a lot less uh, panicky about things that used to worry me. Michelle Pfeiffer and you are about the same age. She told me that she's a lot less trusting now, 10 years later. She's a little more inside than she was, a little I less extroverted. I sort of feel the opposite. Um, I feel I'm... I've become more of who I am, and therefore I am more trusting because uh, I think it's it's more my nature to be trusting. I mean, I'm not stupid, um, but uh, trust is important. Mm -hmm. I um, I'm probably more social than I was. I've probably come out of myself a little bit more. Hmm. Uh, how do you look at your career? I mean, are you a workaholic, for example? Do you have to be working all the time? Um. I'm basically lazy, I think, but by the same token, I'm a Virgo and I'm very thorough. And uh, I think I was very ambitious at the beginning of my career, which is probably what helped me get started in the first place. I think without a lot of ambition, um, it's almost impossible to get a career started because all the odds are really stacked against you. Um, and I've forgotten what your question was. Well, <clears throat> basically, it's kind of in the boiling down to how you change type things, you know. You want me to have changed in no, 10 I years. No, I just, yeah, you haven't changed, though. That's what, you know, <laughs> you look physically the same. You've got, you're a much better actress because, you know, you've done a lot more things. That's nice. But I'm just wondering how you really concentrate on your career. Is it really something you're obsessed with? Do you have to be working all the time? Is it something you think about a lot, or you just do it like a job? I mean, is it your life, or is it your work? It's, it's my work. Um... I think there's a, a, a big danger in overinvesting and obsessing in any one ingredient in your life, whether it's a person or it's your job or um, whatever it is that you may want to fixate on and become compulsive about. I think I, I was much more uh, ambitious and compulsive when I first got started, but I think that was necessary to propel me into anything. Um, sorry. When people run into you, like at the airport, or on the street or something, what are they saying to you now? Who's recognizing you and what are they recognizing you for? Mainly now from the hand that rocks the cradle. Uh, there are still people that get untold joy from recognizing me and saying that Risky Business is their favorite film and they've seen it a million times. Um, and some people, uh, uh, quite a few very kind of sensitive people come up to me lately on uh, an airline steward and, and said, you know, trip to Bountiful, I'll never forget that. And, but in general, it's kind of when people recognize me, it's with a very big grin of, uh, of, of recognition. You are Peyton, and God, we love you. Which is ironic, because when I was making the film, I was convinced that people would really begin to hate me after seeing me in that film. And it's quite the reverse. That is interesting. When you're making a movie, you don't really know that you're going to be in something that's going to stay with you your whole life and be bigger than you ever thought it would be. And that movie 
was such a smash, it has to have affected a lot of people. They probably look at you and say, oh my God, because you were kind of a nasty lady. I, I was, but, but people love her more mm -hmm. than they care to admit. <laughs> and I, I frankly was rooting for you, and I thought it was kind of a sick thing for, my, for me to do because I hated the other people in the movie, the woman who left the kids alone and, and some of those kind of things. I was kind of rooting for you during most of the movie. Well, I did a lot of publicity for that film in Europe and also in uh, Tokyo. I was mm -hmm. fortunate enough to go. And in Japan, they really took that character to an extreme because I was being interviewed by this male journalist who said, you know, I, I don't understand your character. Why, why are you not kill the whole family? <laughs> he thought that would have been quite fitting for my character to do and was sort of weirded out why I hadn't. Mm. So you think you can be appointed now to the Supreme Court? or uh, represent me if I get in trouble in a criminal trial? I don't think so. Don't think so? No, I don't think so. I learned just enough to get by in the movie. Well, I certainly would, wouldn't mind paying you the lawyer fees as opposed to somebody I have paid in the past. So oh. <laughs> it'd be a lot more fun to be around. Thank you. Enjoyed Thank seeing you in this film. Jimmy, I got to ask you, and she is uh, just wonderful. I mean, listening to that, I think, uh, I don't think anything, I mean, edgy, yeah, maybe, smart, swift, um, yeah. hardened a little bit, but... How how do you get past the? I mean, you're sitting down with you just said top two draft picks uh, in Hollywood at the time. I mean, a beautiful woman. How do you keep your composure? I mean, you're a single guy at the time, or were you married? It didn't matter. <laughs> and I would have still, I'd still, I would have still uh, definitely thought a lot of her. Yeah. Um, Intimidating at all? It, it's it. No, I don't let it. I mean, okay. somehow it's like when I can sit down with Sean Connery, right? Or same sit thing. down with yeah. Robert Redford. Yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, uh, Rocky of Stallone or whatever. Uh, particularly on the first date, first time you're you're yeah. doing a scene like in a movie. Okay, really. all right. And and you you know your your appearance is important. How you appear, what kind of eye contact you can have to make some kind of bond yeah they're actors too mm -hmm. and they know that they're doing a scene basically with you yeah okay and it's just it's just interesting is all i can say yeah about no doubt that. about it no doubt and uh she today she is 63 years old wow, wow. and uh it's just her father was wally george and wally george was a pretty well-known conservative radio commentator oh, really? in california he was sort of like a Rush Limbaugh in his day in hmm. Southern California. Very controversial on radio and TV. So she, very, very interesting lady. Um, don't know she's been married, and she was married to Bruce Wagner uh, from 86 to 90. Doesn't have anything about her. She has two children. Um, she's been pretty private. I mean, honestly, I've never heard any interviews besides I think the, you're right. the uh, one you did. Yeah. She's in a relationship with actor-turned-sportscaster Patrick O'Neill. They have two daughters together, but there's very little written about her. Yeah, it's interesting. So pretty much sounds like she sort of retired, but she played Dorothy Walker on Marvel's Jessica Jones mm -hmm. 2015 to 2019. So yeah. I don't know, but I know I was crazy about her. Yeah. And I'm crazy about this lady, too. I, I've always uh, – she just was always fun to tease. She was very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, very great singer. I mean, just unsurpassed. When she starts to wail, Lord have mercy. I agree with, with you. She And she's one of those, to me, that's not just a singer, but she's also an entertainer. I've seen her once. She's funny. Yeah. The the um, The show is good. It's balanced. It's high energy. And it's fun. She puts on a fun show. If you hear her sing songs like 
no one else on earth mm -hmm. you know or she, or she sings a religious song by some case yeah Woo. i mean she is a uh, soulful you know, she's one of the great singers along with trisha yearwood i agree and yeah. and um Kelly Clarkson, I mean, she's up there with all of those singers. I think they would all look up to her if the truth be known. Here's a little conversation in a recording studio with my friend Winona. I mean, seriously, it talk about um, it's unpleasant for me because the world I live in is music and anything above and beyond that. That's why I don't like doing videos that much. Yeah. Uh, besides the fact that the budget aspect of it, um, I really am not into that as much anymore. I think as you get older. Well, for me, I just don't rely on that as much anymore. I remember a time in my 20s and 30s when it was all about, you know, hair and makeup. And it still is when I have to, absolutely have to. I do my own for everything, unless it's an album cover or a photo shoot of some kind magazine. I do my own because I just, I was doing it in the car on the way over here. I rely less and less on that than my gift, which is my voice. And I know in a world that we live in today of 8x10s and... Uh, I don't know if you'll notice this on the album covers now. I show all the lines. I'm real proud of them. Uh, it's been a long road. But no, they're not my favorite. Because I think you feel very exposed. Mm -hmm. You feel, um, I don't know about you standing in front of people. And I have that performer's anxiety of people going, let's see, you know, has she put on a little weight? Is she, you know, let, do you know what I mean? It's just everything that you're insecure about becomes in the front center. But you're not trained to be Cindy Crawford, and they got you moving no. around and doing all this kind of stuff. It's but weird. At the end of the day, it's weird. it always looks good. It somehow, you know, or at least I think it does, doesn't it? I want it to show the joy part. I really loved the photographer, and she and I got along famously. And the what's the Indian belief that um, the lens uh, steals the soul? Mm -hmm. They really believe that, and I think that's why TV makes me so crazy. I, I literally go through this thing of looking for exits because I feel like that's going to zap me. I feel the same way about a lens. It's so intimate and so close. You have to forget it's there and you have to tap into, okay, why am I here? I think about the reader reading the story and try to make that connection. Don't you have to be in a different place, too, when you do a magazine interview? Because they get it all in your business, don't they? They can, and I'm setting boundaries. I used to be quite the open book, but I'm learning to say no. You know, that's a complete sentence. And I used to be so forthcoming with information. The fans pretty much know everything at this point. Well, almost everything. And I, I, I want to be vulnerable and real, and I want people to know my heart. Because being famous and having success really stereotypes you. Mm -hmm. And I think I spend so much time trying to show people the human side of being a mother, being a wife, being an artist. And I, that's why I think I talk so much, because I want people to not think or assume for a minute that I'm above where they live. Mm -hmm. So I think I try too hard. But they do get in your business. And we don't do it yeah. in TV. We're not allowed to get in your business. But they hang around for a day or two. Or they do. And they like want that. more. And, yeah. And it's just like, it's like that next door neighbor. They'll always want more. They always want to know the, the deepest detail, something you'll tell them and not someone mm -hmm. else. And there's, you know, anytime you do TV, and I won't name names, but a lot of the networks, if you do them second, they're not happy about that. So you have mm -hmm. to give the exclusive. So I'm just going to start making up stuff, <laughs> you know. But the Judd in you... And Winona and you makes you want to make them happy. You want to be. I want people want them to, to really be, love they me. They want to be satisfied customer. When yeah, they leave. I want people to love me to the point where I have therapy about this because mm -hmm. I want people when I leave the room to say she's you know so nice because yeah. I really worry that people are going to think if I'm quiet that I have an attitude because mm -hmm. I've gotten that before and I've had this issue with some of the press people thinking that I have an arrogant attitude. It's the opposite. I have fear, and thinking I'm not good enough, and yet if you don't say something, they'll make up what they don't hear. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think I've always felt like I had to explain everything. 
why I do what I do, and uh, hopefully people will like me. God forbid if they don't. Let's go back in time to Kentucky. Did you, who taught you how to play guitar? You remember those days when you mm -hmm. didn't know what you were doing? I mean, you had a God's gift singing, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, this is W.O. Smith question. Okay. These kids are learning how to play piano. I, I think it's horrible to learn your first instrument of guitar because it made me want to quit. My fingers hurt okay. too bad. What do you tell little kids that are out there that want to do it? Mm. They know they have a little talent in singing, and they're trying to tackle learning a musical instrument. That's a great question. I think I really want to speak to the parents first and say, allow your child to do their thing. In other words, I wanted Elijah to play piano. Got him lessons, and he didn't care for it at the time. And I struggled with, well, it's a real good foundational thing. He needs to know. And I didn't push it, and I let him switch to drums. Uh, I always say on stage, to thine own self be true. Let your child be who they are, because we live vicariously through our children. We want them to be what we want them to be. Be very careful. If your kid wants guitar and you want piano, let them do guitar. They can always come back around. I tell kids and adults everywhere um, that it's just like a, a relationship. You do have to work at it. People think that they're going to be rock stars, mm -hmm. especially nowadays. I worked on Nashville Star, and I noticed a lot of the one-hit wonder thing of I'm ready to headline, you know, and here I've spent all these years learning the business. I think people really underestimate the power of of also letting kids waste time in their gift. In other words, let them dream, let them play records, and let them get lost in their dream because this up here is, and this right here has to connect. And so in other words, practicing is important, but allowing kids to dream and have fantasy is equally if not more. In other words, the emotional intelligence is important. But I know for so, a fact that you did not want to get up in mm -hmm. the morning to go to, to Channel 4 when you were sleeping at whatever time y'all had to get up to get up there. So I wanted the $25. But there's a certain degree of discipline that is required that right. may have to come from the parents. My work ethic is because of my mother. I was not wanting to be a front man. I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to be on stage, but I didn't want to do the interviews. I didn't care about talking. It is a full package thing. And I plan on doing a camp someday where I have kids come out to the farm for a week and teach them mind, body, spirit. But for kids, I say there's discipline. There is the work ethic. We call it fake it till you make it. In other words, do the work physically, and your heart will follow. And you'll get it. You'll get zapped at some point. But you've got to keep walking the walk. And you know what I tell kids today? show up. Suit up and show up is half the battle, if not more. I think kids want to pick and choose the big stuff. Listen, I, I still play county fairs. I still play casinos because I know that somebody in that audience has never seen me before. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? You have, and I, I could talk for an hour about this. Kids are my heart now. I'm planning on the next part of my career really dedicating a lot of time to them because they are the future. Grace, my daughter, ten and a half, already is ready to be the next Hannah Montana. Mm -hmm. Uh, Elijah, you know, skateboarder, he wants to play, but when he wants to. Mm. Gracie may make a career out of it and support me in my old age like I am my mom, like which that. wouldn't that be a trip? <laughs> you can't reinvent Christmas, and uh, I mm. love Christmas music. I was telling Brent my favorite Christmas, my favorite album maybe of all is the Gene Autry Christmas album. Oh, that wow. That may be my number one favorite album it's of all so time. It's so corny, I love it. it's so corny, I love uh, it. That's what we want, and, or what uh, I want. You took on the religious aspect of Christmas, and you took on the pop, and you put them both together. Hmm. You took on songs that... Uh, what, does, what do you mean by pop? Uh, Christmas, the, the Mel Torme song, the Christmas song, the okay. you know the more traditional, fun kind of Santa Claus and right, stuff. Right. And then you took on Emmanuel and, and those beautiful the more worship songs that, that are not even the ones we sing in church. It's the ones that we listen to, okay. someone perform in church. So okay. you took the whole range. 
Uh, for you, that was your first Christmas album, too. I'm sure Ever. it is, isn't it? Okay. Besides Mom and Me in 86, this is my very first solo. What, what was on your mind when you said, okay, I'll do this, or was it your idea to do it? That's a really good question. I think um, Brett and Don and I have talked about this very thing for years. And I think where I'm at in my life, I just have gone through a year of real transformation personally. And as a lot of people know in my fan club, I am very autobiographical. You said religious, but for me it's relationship. This album is about my relationship with my Lord and it's about praise and worship. The fact that this time of year we are so jaded. I've heard more people say, Another Christmas record? Like, oh, we have so many already, you know. And I'm really trying to remind myself of the reason for the season. I did it really as a labor of love. I put the kids on it. Of course, as a mom, I just I thrive in watching them be a part of anything I do. Um, and it was really important to me for me to mark this time in my life because, um, you know, really getting into being married and workshops and that's a lot of work. It takes up a lot of energy and time. So I think this album is just really my heart. And what, what it is I love about Christmas, every single thing that I grew up loving about Christmas, I wanted to put into a, a, this big jar. And that's what this album is. All the sounds I hear to, from the bells to the, the chorus of this, this beautiful orchestra. Oh, my gosh. Um, and we did it with the... Um, with the singers at the same time, very old-fashioned. But when you hear the, oh, come, oh, come, I mean, it's just like, and, and like you, when I hear those sounds, I'm transformed, or I go back in time to when we had nothing, and we had a lot of music at Christmas. Mm -hmm. It was always in the background. So for me, this is a real labor of love. Was it scary so. to take on some of these things? I mean, because, you know, everybody yeah. knows what Christmas is supposed to sound like. It's not like hearing the new Winona album. Right. Kinda, there is something to right. play it against and judge. Well, well I, I knew what I didn't mm. want. I knew I didn't want it to sound like, a, um, I didn't want it so slick that it sounded so produced that you couldn't hear the real joyful, raw part of my voice, mm -hmm. which I'm singing at a very a much higher register. I, there's that sweet spot in my voice where I really feel like there's that vulnerability and that sweetness, um, which I need more of. Um, you don't hear the growl as much or the deep, you know, the rock star as much as you hear the stuff that's, the, the sweeter part of my voice, like I, I said. Did you really? Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. And Which I love a, jazz. That's a compliment. Thank you. Believe me, Thank I you. Mean, she had a very pure uh -huh. voice, and you you do have that. I didn't hear. I didn't think about the growling because that's always you, isn't it? Because you are. A I growler. put it in there well because of my passion and because yeah. that's how I get out yeah. my frustrations and but feelings. There was a sweet one on on here. I hadn't thought about that. I really I really loved making this record because mm -hmm. it allowed it allowed me to sit back and just sing and be, not worry about notes. I have a tendency to be quite the perfectionist. They've thrown me out many a day going, it's good enough, why? Mm -hmm. And I just allowed myself to enjoy it. That's the, that's the challenge, is to come in here, do your work, do your very best, and that's good enough, and not get so microscopic and everything be perfect. Mm -hmm. Time and time again, Brent would say, we're not doing it again because of the feeling, the mood that was in it. It's like that movie, Like Water for Chocolate. Mm -hmm. When she cooked, people felt her emotions when they ate her food. I, same thing with me. I want them to feel and hear my spirit and my love for this music when they hear it, not just me singing the notes right and it being the greatest producer in the history of the world. You know what I mean? It was an experience for me. What's the most fun song on there for you? Ooh, fun would be the kids, uh, Santa Claus is Coming yeah. to Town. Grace and Elijah, this is their, um, Gracie wanted to know, did this mean that she was in the union? And was $25 what they paid uh, that's how much she and Elijah made. Um, the, the deepest part for me was uh, Don Potter's song, It's the Messiah. Mm -hmm. I, I cried through the whole, the whole 
recording of it. And Ave Maria, I, I went to the next level. I always tell people, don't get stagnant in your job, in your marriage, in your relationships. And I took on something I, I thought, I've bitten off more than I can chew. Because when I went to the guy's house, my, my vocal coach, uh, Rob Browning, who's awesome here in Nashville, he sat me down, put me on this computer thing, and we learned how my voice works. And I had to learn like a whole new language and a whole new way of singing as well, which is weird. Mm. So it, it challenged me. Get two shots so they can run off. I'm trying to think what the track list is on here. Mm -hmm. It's on the second. It's on the which page? Second page? Yeah, it, this isn't the very finished product. Christmas song is for yeah. i tell you which one I really, really like. Winter Wonderland, I don't know why I like that song. But I, I don't like either. I wasn't going to put it on here, and I thought, you know what? It's still one of my favorites, though. It was one if you had to time me up and say, okay, you heard the album. Ava Maria sticks out more than anything. I don't know. I can hear and it. And you know that it's... Nat King Cole. I think... Um, not, not Crosby on that no, one. No. He's White not, Christmas. It's not Nat No, White Christmas is Bing, yeah. I can hear it with a girl singer. You know that's a soldier's song. I didn't oh, know yeah, that. I gotta oh, find, I, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, I got to find out like what the reason was the guy wrote it. It had to yep. do with um, a soldier riding home saying, I'll be home for Christmas. Ugh. And then Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is another one that's a... Is cool too. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, back You know what? The the verses of um, Emmanuel. So choice of songs here because there's so many to pick. Ugh. You know, obviously you can go with Rudolph for the fun stuff and yeah. all that. But I like, I don't know. It's just one of these albums. You know, obviously there's a lot of this thing will be around for the end of time longer than anything else you've ever done, I which is so. always weird. You know, I know that you, is if weird. If you knock it? it out with a Christmas <laughs> song, it will be here long after you're gone. They'll be playing. Say, oh yeah, that was that one on a girl. You know, from oh, back wow, in, that's interesting. in 2006, because really I'm still playing songs, and I have on the radio for songs that are from the 50s. And we all go 40s. back to the same thing. Isn't it funny? It's like Baskin Robbins. You go for the same thing every time. It's just yeah, what you, it's, it's, comfort. it's comfort. It's, it's where your comfort. It's tradition. It's comfort food. It's tradition. Music is comfort food. That's exactly right. That's a. That's why I put the ones on there that I love because those are I thought songs and uh, those are the ones that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll be home for Christmas. Everybody sung that somewhere. Oh, yes. Can we get you say hello to our editor at six o'clock? Oh my God! Her name's Ashley, and she Ashley, was, she she's Ashley. She is the biggest, biggest one. Fan. She's in the. Ashley, my sister friend. How you doing? You want to get together for a good time? Call me. Now she I gets hear mad at me because <laughs> I. I give her. You know, because I'm pushing her sometimes she gets aggravated so she knows that I know Winona so uh, <laughs> well I love you too and I need all the love I can get world, us too. girls got to stick together mm -hmm. attitude baby that's right you know, she she's put on great shows forever and and the family kind of all together has even her her uh, I guess her rogue sister what's her rogue sister? Ashley Judd Ashley she's even been somewhat successful but you know I never really thought of Winona until I saw her live in concert as a singer I always thought of her as an entertainer but she like you said she can bring it. I mean, she can sing, and it's very soulful to me. I just feel like it's coming from a soulful spot. So if you ever get a chance to see her, and now, of course, you can only see her, uh, go see her. It's well worth the price of admission, no doubt. She's married to Scott Cactus Moser. Been married to him since uh, 2012. Yeah. And he lost his leg in a motorcycle accident. I am sensitive to that. And, uh, I remember that. He. I can't remember how that happened, but I do remember it happened. It was in the Black Hills of uh South Dakota, yeah, and uh, I don't remember what the circumstances were, how, why, or they wrecked. But anyway, he had a lot of rehab. But he's the drummer, and he's a one-legged drummer. Yeah, but he's got a prosthesis. But uh, he's he's a, he's a cool guy. He used to be with a group called Highway 101. Oh, I remember but that. But they yeah. seem to be a great. They seem to be a great couple. Yeah, and, they've been uh, together a long time. And they've been co-writing songs. And 
I hope she gets out on the road sooner than later as a solo act. Yeah. And things are good for her. I only hope the best for Winona. Yeah. And, uh, the singing redheaded joke. Indeed. And there you go. Another episode of The Vault. You can catch one every week right here on Sweeping the Country. Until next time, I'm Derek Walker. He is. I'm Jimmy Carter. Good, Good day. day.